Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. This past week, uh, we don't have a jungle in our backyard, but we did have a critter that Harper saw, I think, first and said, I need to go back there and check this out. And so this is what I found. And uh, I thought at first, this must be one of those giant murder hornets that people are talking about all over. And come to find out, it's just uh, a cicada killer. It's just another wasp, evidently. And uh, my brother from Japan informed me, no, I've seen the real thing. This is not it. So we're safe. Um, Anyway, man, sometimes it can feel that way that we're in a jungle. This world is like a jungle around us and so many potential threats and and enemies and pain and suffering. Uh, The people of Peter's day, they were on a journey from suffering to glory. And along the way, they encountered many sufferings and trials. And so Peter is writing to them and he's writing to us to encourage us in our faith in Jesus. And so with that in mind, if you've got a Bible this morning, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. If you don't have one with you, the words will be up there on the screen and back of me. Peter is now turning the corner. He's coming to the end of his letter. And as a good pastor, he wants to sum it all up for us and give us the big picture. And here's what it is. It comes down to this bottom line. How we see suffering makes all the difference in how we handle suffering. How we view our suffering makes all the difference in how we then respond to suffering when it comes. And so first we're going to look at how we see it, and then we'll look at how we handle it. And so let's look firstly, how do we see suffering? Number one, don't see it as an interruption, but as an invitation. Don't see it as an interruption in your life, but see it as an invitation. Look at verse 12 again with me. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So when when suffering comes, uh, most of the world and sometimes us included, we we see it as an unwanted disruption, right? Like a detour to the good life that we want to have. Instead of expecting suffering to come our way, we actually expect good things to come our way, especially as Christians, right? Good things for us, for our kids, for our grandkids. And so when suffering comes, it kind of shakes us kind of messes with us. It, it jostles and jars us. We're not, we're not ready for it. It's like an interruption in our lives. But Peter wants us to see suffering as an invitation, as God's invitation for us to follow Jesus, to share in Christ's sufferings, as it says in verse 13, to join hands with him, to identify with him, to reenact the story of Christ's passion, his suffering, and his journey all the way to glory. Listen, you and I were not made to make much of ourselves. We were made to make much of Jesus. This is not our story that God is writing. He's writing the story of Christ, and we get to be a part of it, a minor role in this bigger story of Jesus. And a huge part of that story 
is the sufferings of Christ. And so for us to participate, for us to reenact that drama, we're pulled into the sufferings of Jesus. We share in that, not only his suffering, but also one day his glory. And so number one, how we see suffering, don't see it as an interruption, see it as an invitation. Number two, don't see it as random, meaningless pain, but as purposeful, uncomfortable grace. Don't see your suffering as random, meaningless pain, but as purposeful, uncomfortable grace. You know, when suffering comes our way, sometimes we say things or at least think things like, well, I guess it's my turn, right? I guess it's just my luck that I've got to deal with this. Or like the uh, infamous bumper sticker, two words, I won't say the first word, blank happens. There's a lot of theology in that two-word phrase, all right? And when, when suffering comes into our lives, our theology comes out. When, when suffering comes in, our belief system comes out. So, so what do we believe about God and about ourselves and about our suffering when these hard times come upon us? When suffering comes as a Christian, it's not random, it's purposeful. 1 Peter 4.12 again says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. When it comes upon you, implying that God has a reason for bringing that trial into your life in a specific time for that trial to take place. It's very purposeful. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Peter speaks of these fiery trials, these various trials, where he writes, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. If necessary. So you've got to know when something difficult comes into your life, when, when God brings about a, a trial, uh, something hard, this is necessary for you. It's necessary for me. He's got reasons for why he's bringing that into your life. And we'll look at that in just a moment. 1 Peter 4.19, Peter writes, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So there we see that our suffering is in accordance with God's will. It's, it's purposeful. God is sovereign over our suffering. And then in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul writes these words, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. Have you ever felt that way? That we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. So God will give you more than you can handle. And the reason why, he wants you to rely on him and not on yourself to get through it. And we see from this text that suffering has a way of bringing us to the end of ourselves. Right? If you still think that you can do this on your own, in your own strength, then you haven't realized how weak you are and how strong God is. Right? And so he brings suffering in order for us to see our neediness. Paul Tripp says, 
He brings suffering into our lives to rescue you from you. We need to be rescued from ourselves. And so don't see your suffering as an interruption, but as an invitation. Don't see it as random, meaningless pain, but as God's purposeful, uncomfortable grace. And then thirdly, don't see it, don't see it as God crushing you, but conforming you to the image of Christ. This suffering has come upon you not to crush you, but to conform you to the image of Jesus. You know, sometimes when suffering comes, we start asking ourselves the question, is God out to get me? Like, is he keeping a record of wrongs? And now he's striking back and bringing me suffering. He's bringing pain into my life to get me back, to pay me back for something I did in my past. Is that the heart of God? No. If you're a follower of Jesus today in this room, if you've given your heart to Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not one ounce of punishment is coming to you as a son and daughter of the King. It's all been taken for you at the cross. And so it's, it's not as if suffering is, is God punishing us in his anger. He is purifying us in his love. He is never punishing us in his anger, but purifying us in his love. Now, I will make this one caveat, though. This is not up on the screen, but in verse 15, it says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. So, so listen, there are consequences for your sin, and God may bring about suffering in your life if you have a pattern of sin to stop you in his mercy, to awaken you to your need of a Savior. And yet God is never crushing us as Christians. He's conforming us to the image of Christ out of love for us. Look at verse 12 again and how he begins. He says, Beloved, beloved, do not be surprised at this fiery trial when it comes upon you. So Peter's coming to the end of his letter, and I think he's changing his posture here. He's, he's kind of coming down to us as if we were little children, and as you do with your kids sometimes, and just you want to look at them and say, I, I love you, I care about you, I know this is going to be hard, but I'm with you. He loves you. His posture towards you is, is affection during your time of suffering and trial. You are his beloved. So if Peter could say that about them, how much more can God say about us if we are in Christ, if we are in Jesus? And so these sufferings come from the heart of a God who loves us and a God who is testing us. Look back at 1 Peter 1. Uh, 6 and 7 again. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that, here's the reason, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so the, the sufferings, here's the purpose for why they're coming into your life as a believer in Jesus, is to test you. I have to think that over the course of this pandemic, it's been a test. It's been a trial. Some of you more than others, as I look at the faces in this room, uh, you've gone through your share of suffering. 
It's to reveal the substance of what's really there. When you go through something hard, God is refining you. This, this word, fiery trials, is one word in the original language, which means purifying fire. So he's, he's doing something to reveal the, the substance of your faith so that you'd come out of that having removed all these impurities and things you don't need anymore to say you're still standing firm in the grace of Jesus. He's testing us. Sometimes that hurts. The refining process is not always easy. In fact, it's a form of God's judgment. Look at verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So, so what does that mean? Judgment? The household of God? It means that as, as Christians, God is, is judging us first in the form of this purifying fire of suffering. It's not punitive, it is purifying. He's testing us. It's a refiner's fire. And though it hurts, though it's a purifying fire, what's coming is a terrifying fire. Look at what he says in verse 17 again. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So here's what's coming if, if you right now are, are seated and thinking, I don't know if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm glad you're here. You're asking questions. But listen, you, you have got to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus now. This is not something to put off later. We don't know when he's returning. We don't know when our time is up. And immediately when he returns or immediately when we die, we will face a terrifying judgment. You've got to know that that's coming. So the worst kind of suffering here is nothing compared to the terrifying judgment that awaits you as someone who is not yet a follower of Jesus Christ. So turn from your sin and trust in him today. Give your life to King Jesus and escape the fires of judgment that are coming. Today he is revealing things in us. Today he is purifying us and this is mercy to us some of you think, man, we must be living in the end times. With all that's going on right now, there's a lot going on. We think this must be the apocalypse. The word itself actually means unveiling, revealing. And I think he is revealing things. I think he is showing us a lot. We're seeing a lot of issues right now that have been buried kind of underneath the ground that are now being brought to the surface that we've got to ask ourselves, what do we really believe about these issues? And a lot of people right now, their faith in Jesus is being exposed for what it really is. If you're not on a rock foundation and you're now going through this hard time and it's being revealed that my foundation is on sand and the storm is coming, it's exposing your faith for what it really is. And so take this time to turn to him, to turn to Jesus as he is not here to crush us, but to conform us to the image of Christ. He's making us beautiful like his son. I love this quote by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She says, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. 
These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep, loving concern. Who does that sound like? It sounds a lot like Jesus. Compassionate, gentle, full of deep, loving concern. Sometimes suffering has a way of making us more like Jesus. And so is that how you see suffering? Is that how you see it? Is that the lens? Is that the worldview in which you see suffering? Do you see it as an invitation from God? As purposeful, uncomfortable grace? As God conforming you to the image of Christ? How you see suffering, how you see it makes all the difference in how you handle it. And so how do we handle suffering? Number one, don't be surprised, but rejoice. Don't be surprised, but rejoice. Verses 12 and 13 again. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. I heard one author say this. Western society's highest goal is to prevent suffering. I think that's true. We want to do whatever we can to avoid suffering and pain, right? And so our gut response to suffering is usually shock and surprise when it comes our way. We're caught off guard, right? And so we just want to do whatever we're going to cope with it to try to control it and manage it and just find the cause of it and eliminate it. The Bible says we shouldn't be surprised when suffering comes. In fact, we should expect it. You remember Jesus' words in John 16, 33? He says, in this world you will have trouble. From the mouth of Jesus. We see it in Luke chapter, or Acts chapter 14, where he writes, through many tribulations you must enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to go through this path of suffering all the way to glory. 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul writes, all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted, right? If you want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, you're going to be persecuted for your faith in Jesus. And then Peter himself says in 1 Peter 5.9, we'll look at this next week, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And so, so what does that tell us? It tells us that, that suffering is normal. Suffering is normative for the Christian life. If it hasn't happened to you yet, it will in some form or another. It's coming. So suffering is normal for Christians. It's going to be hard. But what's not normal is to respond to suffering with rejoicing. That's not normal. So listen, when you've experienced suffering, what's your, what's your uh, knee-jerk first reaction? Are you shaking your fists? Are you trying to numb the pain somewhere else? Are you just kind of stoic endurance, I'll get through this, it's not that big compared to others? What's your natural knee-jerk reaction when suffering comes along? The last thing I want to do is to make you feel guilty that you're not experiencing joy. But joy is not putting on a happy face. Like, 
hey, I got to go to church now, and I better put my happy face on so everybody can see that I'm, I'm doing well with all this. Joy is not a happy face. Joy is a supernatural, Holy Spirit-produced response. It's, it's deeply rooted in who Jesus is for us and not in our circumstances, which means it cannot be shaken by our circumstances. However, it is normal, in fact, even, I think, encouraged in the Bible that as we rejoice, we may be grieving simultaneously. In 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, both happening at the same time. I'm rejoicing and I'm grieving. That's the paradox of the Christian life. I can be sad, but I can still have joy. How is that possible? It's only possible through the Spirit of Christ in us. And as we learn to to experience what it means to be united to Jesus. Guys, being united to Jesus is entering into a story of both suffering and glory. First the suffering we experience here, and then the glory that's coming. We can't have this, we can't have this, the glory is what we want, without first going through the suffering with him. You know, this uh, past week, uh, my wife and I, we were looking for something to watch on, on TV, I think it was Amazon Prime, where we watched uh, Shackleton's Captain. This is a documentary, if you haven't seen it yet, I encourage you to, to see it, Shackleton's Captain, kind of a docudrama. It's about this uh, guy, I think he's an Irish uh, sailor in, uh, back in 1914, somewhere on there. Um, he, Ernest Shackleton, uh, kind of brought together a team of about 26 men. And his desire was to lead them first on a boat, ironically called Endurance, down to Antarctica and to actually traverse and cross over Antarctica on foot. So they brought sled dogs with them and all of that. But what happened, without giving away the entire story, is their ship got caught in the ice. And so now it was a matter of survival. It wasn't a matter of getting across. It was a matter of actually getting home. And so this was an incredible story of extreme cold, the you know, shipwreck, the endurance, the fighting for survival, and the glory of finally getting home. And I tell you what, it made it all the more sweeter that they had suffered together. And so encourage you with that story. But know this, it's a hard road that leads to heaven. It is. It's not easy. And that's what Peter wants to remind us. So don't be surprised, but rejoice. Secondly, don't be ashamed when suffering comes, but glorify God. Look at verse 16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. The name Christian was mainly a negative term given by unbelievers to those who were following Christ back in biblical days. And so what it meant to be a Christian is you were so identifying yourself with Jesus, you were willing to suffer with Jesus. Are you? What's the time when we suffer? For Jesus or with Jesus here, it's like just being embarrassed or kind of being shunned by somebody, right? Perhaps it's coming here to our country where we'll be persecuted for our faith in Jesus. And the Christians all over the world are experiencing this now. 
They are. And, and when, this, what Peter is saying here is when that happens, when you're slandered and mistreated and persecuted, don't be ashamed, but glorify God in that name. Praise God that you bear the name of Jesus. And Peter is an example for us. I don't know if you remember back in Acts chapter 5, an amazing story. Look it up later on. Just pick up the story in verse 40 and 41. It says, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. Notice, they were beaten and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. This is Peter rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. So I'm just picturing, this is the guy who wrote this, right? This letter. And he's beaten and he's battered. And he walks away rejoicing. Yes! I'm suffering and I'm experiencing this shame because of the name of Christ. I'm with him in that. That's incredible. Don't be ashamed of the name of Jesus. What's that look like in your life, in, in your workplace, in this community? Don't be ashamed to bear the name of Jesus, but glorify God. Glorify God. And then number three, how do we handle suffering? Number three, don't get even, but entrust your soul to God. Don't seek to get even, but entrust your soul to God. Look at verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I think this is the theme verse of this entire book. If you want to circle that verse, verse 19, those who suffer according to God's will entrust your soul to a faithful creator while doing good. What's it mean to entrust? It means to trust someone to care for something of great value. You're entrusting your soul your eternal soul to God as you suffer. So in the midst of suffering, entrust your soul to God. Uh, don't try to figure out what God is doing, but just trust him through it. This is what Jesus does for us as an example in 1 Peter 2, 23. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So if anyone had the right to retaliate, it was Jesus and yet he kept on entrusting himself to God. Now Peter, I think, has something on his mind here as he closes this section out in verse 19. I think he was reading in the Psalms. If you've been with us, I've already noted that Psalm 34 was, was on the mind of Peter as he penned some of these words. And now here's Psalm 31. I believe David's words are on Peter's mind as he thinks about this whole idea of entrusting your soul. In Psalm 31, verse 5, we see these words, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Literally, I entrust my soul to you. If you recognize those words, those are the words from the mouth of Jesus, some of his last words that he uttered from the cross. So this was not... Calm, cool, collected, and trust your soul to God. He's got it. You're fine. This is through tears and agony. Some of you know what I mean by this in times of suffering. If you're crying out, your soul is distressed. God, take it. Give my soul to you, God. Get me through this. I can't do it on my own. Please help me. That's the heart of David. That's the heart of Peter here. That's the heart of Christ. 
He's crying with you. He understands your distress. He knows what it feels like. He's been with you in this. And so entrust yourself to God today in your suffering, how to handle it. Give it all to him. And so here's Peter's encouragement today. See your suffering as an invitation from God. See it as purposeful, uncomfortable grace. See it as God conforming you to the image of Christ. And then here's how you handle it. Don't be surprised. Rejoice. Don't be ashamed. Glorify God. And don't seek to get even. Entrust your soul to God. Let's stand together as I close. I want you just to stand if you're able, and if you're watching there at home, I want you to think about this for a moment. When we walk through trials, we don't walk through it alone. I mean, just look around here. This is, this is your family here. When you experience sufferings of many kinds, trials of many kinds, you need this. You need your church family, your body. Because here's, here's the reality, guys. Here's the reality. We can't make it from suffering to glory on our own. We can't. But here's the joyful thing. To know these brothers and sisters, if they have suffered with you on this day, they will also celebrate with you on that final day. I can't wait for it. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you have shown us through your son Jesus, what it means to suffer and rejoice and entrust our soul to you. Lord, I know that in a room this size and those who are watching today, we are hurting, some of us. Some of us have walked through difficult waters and it has been difficult to understand what are you doing in my life? I pray that we would be able to see suffering rightly so as to handle it when it comes, to not be surprised by it, but to know that you're working, conforming us to the image of Christ. So help us even as we sing these words together, help us to know that we're not alone in this. Along this path from suffering to glory, we do this together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.